In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Good evening. We're so glad you could join us this evening. And as you see, Dana and I are here this evening to talk about the God-given joy of learning. Each month this year, we're talking about a different joy of the Christian life. And learning is certainly a wonderful joy. And it's what a joy that God has given us that possibility of learning. And I'm sure you hear my clocks in the background. We started winding the clocks again. So, but uh, hopefully they won't be too much of a distraction. Um, Dana, what about learning do you think about when we think about that joy of learning? Um, Well, you know, I, I love to learn. I love, I love history. I'm incredibly curious person. So, you know, when I think about learning, I just think about all the different opportunities we have. And in our world we live in today, I think we have more opportunities than ever to learn. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with the Internet, which I think most of us do, especially as Christians. But I'm on it nearly every day for something. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it can be a great tool for learning, learning lots of things, learning where to find things. Um, right. Learning, you can just follow your curiosity and learn a lot of things. And I do that a lot. There she yeah. is. There's our Cindy. We uh, weren't sure you were going to make it. We weren't <laughs> sure where you are, Cindy. Are you traveling already or are you still at home? Yes, we are in Alabama in Fairhope. It's gorgeous here. Um, but I could not have more technical difficulties than I'm having right now. So let me know if I get bleepy. Um, I've got bad lighting and I'm half the size that you guys are, it looks like, at least from my perspective. <laughs> but it is what it is. And we've been doing this a long time and we've just about seen it all, haven't we, Isla? <laughs> this is very true. That That is so true. And, you know, our viewers and listeners on the podcast, the podcast won't know the difference, but, uh, which is really a blessing. <laughs> The, the, our viewers yeah. will see, and hopefully there won't be a problem. But you know, we have such wonderful ladies who uh, watch our program and that comment on it. That I know that whatever little glitches that we have will not keep our message uh, from being heard. And and that is, it's such a blessing to to be working with you all tonight, and and to know that we're going to get God message out there. So we were just chatting a little bit, Cindy, before you came on about what joy it is of learning. And uh, so I wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I have just been thinking about how many things in life, I could probably name a dozen things that I once was interested in, 
and over time kind of wore it out, <laughs> you know, uh, no longer interested in it, but it's amazing. This thing, this, this feeling, uh, that you get when you're learning, I'm never going to get tired of that. I can tell until the day I die, my brain is just going to be hungry, hungry, hungry for more information that is useful and wise. And you guys, is there any other feeling that is better than when that spark goes off in your head and you're like, I get it now, you know, like, I see that explains it all. Or there is that missing piece, right? It's just mm -hmm. so wonderful. Right. Um, this joy of learning. So I thought tonight, sisters, that we would share both some bigger things and some lighter things uh, about learning. And I thought I would kick off our conversation um, with a couple of the biggest things that I've learned in life. And then I want to hear what you guys are have been thinking about this week as you've been getting ready for this conversation. So as far as heavier things, I would say I was thinking, like, what is the biggest thing? that I've learned in life and it is that God is right. The more I read the Bible, the more I'm like, there it is again. As I see everything that he said will happen happens. And I'm talking about verses like Proverbs 13, 15, that says the way of the transgressor is hard. Mm -hmm. I see that all over the country. And I see it every day and you see it, it's heartbreaking, but you see how hard some people's lives are when they have gone into things that are addictive, pornography, alcoholism, drug addiction, fornication, I mean, even sloth. The way of the transgressor is hard. God is always right. And I, I just think the opposite of that is the truth will make you free. Now that's another thing that's kind of, the opposite of that, but I've seen it over and over and over again. There's so many different ways that the truth makes you free. And it's because God is right. Uh, when you do things his way, when I do things his way, I spare myself a lot of unnecessary pain. Um, and even those other, even the sources of pain that are out of my control, they're just going to happen to me those take on a meaningful purpose like they they aren't for nothing you know they're an opportunity to learn and grow and that kind of thing so that was probably the biggest thing that i've learned but how about you isla what is a big thing that you have learned in life well one of the things i learned and it was a hard lesson in some ways to learn in the sense that um, it was, let's see what I'm trying to get. Here we go. Um, it was learned at a rough time uh, in oh. life and uh, basically raising teenagers and, and working with teenagers and trying to, you know, to get them raised up, you know, when my kids were ah. young. And, and some days I just thought, you know, I, and you see, I just don't know how I can go on. And you see other people that don't seem to have any trouble at all with it. And I learned. I don't believe that. Well, I'm telling you some days. And one thing I learned was the best you can do is the best you can do right mm. now. It's the best okay. you can do. And, and it was the, when you learn better, keep learning, learn better. Yes. And when you learn yes. better, 
do better. But, you know, you can't beat yourself up by looking at, and I would look at other people. They don't have any trouble with their kids. Why am I having trouble with my kids? You know, kind of thing. But the best I could do was the best I could do. And I've told people that, especially when they're in a time of turmoil and they feel inadequate. And quite often, we mothers will feel inadequate. I could have done better. I see somebody else who's doing better. But the best you can do is the best you can do right now. And Maya yes. Angelou said, when you learn better, do better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, guilt has its place, but false guilt, you don't get any extra uh, know-how by adding guilt to what you're already bearing, right? So there's utility in it when it's when you are being guilty of something, but when you're doing the best you can do, then, the yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. What were you thinking on this, Dana? Um, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind was tragedy in one degree or another will come into every life. Mm -hmm. And the only secure thing in life we have is our anchor that we have in God through Jesus Christ. And I thought about it in Hebrews 6, verses, verse 18 and following. It says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. And I just think about that in so many things. We, you know, you may have, in my eyes, bigger tragedies or less tragedies than I do and vice versa, but it doesn't matter. Tragedy is going to come in all of our lives at some point. And if you haven't seen it yet, just sit back. It's coming. And mm -hmm. if you're not secure in Jesus Christ, then it's going to be a rough road. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, there, there was a friend of ours, and he wrote, well, Wilson Adams, you might know him. He'd written a book, and one of the things he says in it is how do people overcome, you know, how do you get over the deaths of someone? How do you get over some of these things? And he makes the point, they people don't if they don't mm. have And yeah, we look like we do, mm. but there's, there's so much scars and heaviness if you don't mm -hmm. have Jesus Christ. And, yeah. and you know, I, I we've all seen people who go through tragedy and you can tell the ones who are anchored in God and yeah yeah and i think knowing that it's coming a little bit like um the apostle peter said do not be surprised you know yeah. fiery ordeals are coming and i think when yeah. you know that it's coming maybe that helps the impact it helps you to take when it does when it hits you and yes it does get better it's it's interesting the kind of grief you're describing um that wilson adams talks about that it will get better or it'll at least change. You'll be able to live alongside a darker reality. So I want folks to know that there's, there is hope in that way, but yeah, you yeah. will always carry this. You will always carry this to some degree. Um, but yeah. And I think what you're saying kind of goes along with what I was saying earlier about how you can use pain, you know, instead of wasting our pain as Christians, um, 
it's a time of reflection when we endure these losses of what am I supposed to be learning here? Where can I grow or who can I help now that I've endured this? You know, who is going to be going through the, some of the same things that I've gone through? So there's usefulness in it. You know, we when we lived in the islands back in the 90s, in 1995, we had a hurricane that destroyed our home, destroyed oh. our home. Wow. And, and we didn't have insurance because you couldn't insure the kind of house that we had. Oh. So, I mean, it was like, you know. There goes everything. Yeah. And yeah. And it was hard. It was real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, nine years later in Tennessee, we lost a house to a fire and everything in it. But, you know, that time wasn't near as difficult as the first time because it was like, okay. Here we go again. And mm. God really took care of us the first time. Mm. So why would he stop now? Mm. And, and and I think, you know, you, you said, how can we help others with experiences that they're going through? And that is, that is so true. But, you know, it helps me, too, because if I get through something like that, um, mm-hmm. I, can, I can get through it again. Um, and, and, you know, we all know people who've lost spouses and children mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how they get through it, but they do as Christians. Yeah. And if they can get through that, what can they face? Right. I think mm-hmm. either, either you lose your faith or it gets much, much stronger. Mm-hmm. We have, so a comment, we have a comment from Marcia Gray Patterson. Okay. We can find hope from grief in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's like you were saying that uh, there's there were so many in the Bible who had so much grief and tragedy, but yet there was hope. And also talking to sisters who have also had grief or some form of trauma. So true that we can, as you said, Cindy, use that to help one another uh, through our tragedies. Yes, yes. Yes, everything we go through, we can find some utility in it if we look really, really hard. And and maybe that's something that makes us able to endure it is to know that we can make use of everything we've endured. So we've talked a lot, ladies, um, about things that happen to us that are outside of our control. But the other thing that I've learned is that sin ruins everything. Mm -hmm. This is what I've learned in life. So separate from everything we've talked about, sin itself ruins everything. It ruins nations. It ruins relationships. Sin ruins mental health. It can ruin physical health. It ruins societies. It even ruins prosperity. But the good news is virtue is the answer. So those two things in my mind, those things go together. Sin ruins everything, but it's like, don't despair. Virtue is the answer. Every problem is prevented or solved or otherwise dealt with using the virtues that God has given us in his toolbox. Compassion, contentment, courage, generosity, Gentleness, gratitude, honesty, honor, humility, justice, kindness, love, patience, peace, perseverance, respect, and (laughs) self-discipline. 
our problems are solved more easily sometimes than we think. And so virtue is the answer. So whenever we do hit, whether or not it's something from the outside, like what uh, Dana has brought up, or if it's something as a result of sin in the culture or in someone's uh, life that is close to us, the question is, which of the virtues in my toolbox that God has given will help me cope with this or will help me solve this situation? Or like, how can I use one of the virtues to just ease the way somehow? So a lot of them are useful in preventing a chaos, uh, but also they help us in just living alongside, you know, a darker reality. I think I'd like to share an, uh, another thought here, unless I feel like it might be, is it Isla's turn? Isla, do you have anything else on the heavier side of what you've learned? Are most of yours kind of lighter things that you have well, left? Most of mine are more, I guess, on a practical level. Oh, perhaps, but I did want to show this comment oh, uh, from Diane Hayes. I have learned that God is truly near to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And that is so important. I mean, in, in some ways that if we can just hang on to God when we have tragedies and, uh, and we have problems. So thank you for that, Diane. Mm -hmm. yep. Yes, he's, he's omnipresent, but even still when tragedy hits, that's the first prayer, right? Right. You know, come near God. You know, I want to feel your presence. I want to feel your, the peace that only you can provide deep in my soul. Absolutely. Abide in me, <laughs> you know, just asking yeah. him for his presence. Thank you so much for that beautiful comment. I've learned that great peace is found in controlling myself at the thought level. And really this comment that just came up plays very, very well. I mean, that's the ultimate source of peace is asking God for peace. But if I can control myself at the thought level, rather than letting my mind run wild and then trying to control my words <laughs> or my actions when I've been letting my mind just, you know, it can be anxiety, it can be, oh, fear or, or anger or whatever, you know, can lead to sin if I don't wrangle it back in. If I can control those at the thought level and kick them out as, as soon as I notice them, and that's the key, notice those destructive, self-destructive thoughts right when they enter your mind and replace them instantly with something that is true or honorable, right, pure, lovely, of a good repute, excellent and praiseworthy, you know, thank on these things, Philippians 4, 8. So that has very much helped me to have more peace in my heart, as well as learning to accept the things that I cannot change. So I can change what I'm thinking about and think about something more productive. But to accept the things that I can't change, that has been something that I have learned and it has been a great, great source of happiness for me. Like instead of pining for what could have been, what does that solve? I mean, obviously there needs to be a grieving period as we let go of something 
that we thought was going to be that we wanted or, you know, how things could have been if, and, you know, maybe people's other people's behavior and that kind of thing that we have no control over. I have found that accepting reality instead of pining for what could have been is a great, great source of peace. Mm -hmm. Have you guys had any experiences with, with this? Well, you know, kind of along that line, one of the things I had thought about is, and, and, and the way I had worded it is your pain is real, physical or emotional, and it doesn't do any good to compare it to someone else's. Oh, yes. We, we could all sit and compare ourselves and say, well, look what Job went through and what I'm going through doesn't even compare. And that's true. That's very true. But that still doesn't take my pain away. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't make mine not real. And, and I think when you talk about looking at, at what, what is, what it, I can control and what I can't control, um, you know, we could go back to the scripture that I talked about earlier in Hebrews, you know, we have to have an anchor in God and, mm-hmm. And that's gonna that's gonna help me in whatever I face, and it doesn't do any good for mm-hmm. me to compare myself to you and yourself to me. And you know, I have this health problem, but you have that one. Mine is so much worse, or mine is so much less. It doesn't matter. I have what I have. Yeah. Um, what tragedies I've gone through are mine. What joys I go through are mine, and I have to just. I have to control what I can control and let God control the rest and stop comparing. I've um, recently, um, I think living here with a lot of 80 and 90 year old people, I I don't feel accelerated toward age, but I'm thinking, I, I guess I'm looking forward more to, okay, if the Lord wills and I'm 80 or 90, um, I, I'm reframing some things that I used to say where I might say, oh, I miss, you know, you see young children. Oh, I miss my children being young. And I've, I told uh, the kids, I said, I've decided to reframe that instead of saying I miss so-and-so. That's sad. Yeah. But I'm going to say I have happy memories of. Ah, that's great. And when you say those words, your brain hears them, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. and, and that affects you the same as if somebody outside of you said it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what self-talk is all about. But I, I've just decided I'm, that's what I'm going to say. And I'll, I'll find myself going, Oh, I missed. No, no, no. I have happy memories of that. That's good. But, yeah. Yes. And both, I mean, both are true, but yeah. Telling yourself, the just as true angle that is more positive and teaches your brain. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I think so many things in life can be reframed like that. And so if we do have something cycling around in our brain, something maybe that we don't have control of something that we can't change, how can you talk to yourself about it in a way that's still true, but yes, in a way that treats it, that trains your brain to be more, grateful really right a lot of that is rooted in gratitude any other thoughts dana no you know all right the only the only other thing i thought about is how much we can 
depend on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my father said, and I've heard other people say it, there's nobody that can love you like the brethren and there's nobody that can hurt you like the brethren. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And we, if you've been around very long, you've experienced both. But boy, yeah. the love that we can get from brethren and the mm-hmm. support we can get is golden. Absolutely. Better than, than any riches. And, and when, we are, when we are dealing with heavy things, we have sisters that we can... Yeah seek help from and that's worth so much yeah i think my last thought on this kind of goes along with that dana because i'm thinking about i would have to say of all the sisters in christ that i've met around the country as we've traveled living nomadically two and a half years and the heart-to-heart conversations that i've had with so many of them i would say the one thing that is heaviest on their hearts is often someone that they heavily invested in, that they love very deeply, um, someone that has rejected the love of God and walked away from the love of God. And so I, I thought about that and, you know, how we're supposed to, you know, reach out for them and try to initiate and do everything we can. But there comes a um, time when you've done that and you've done that repeatedly and God is still the love of God is being rejected and really your own love as you try to express your own love to them by sharing the wisdom of God. You know, this is a rejection. They're rejecting you and they're rejecting God. What do you do? And this is really hard. And I'm, I'm open to the feedback that you guys have on this, but. You've got to learn to know when to do what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 14. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. I'm suggesting that all that love and all that wisdom of God that you want, that you wanted to give this person who will have nothing to do with it. There is a world of people that are hungry for your love for God's love and for God's wisdom, go and find those people that will say to you, you're God sent you to me. You're the best. You, what I've been, you're, you know, you're telling me things that are going to change my life. You know, people that are going to embrace God's love and God's wisdom. That's been a really hard lesson for me to, there's always someone to love. It might not be the person that you wanted to get love back or the person that you were spent a long time trying to um, give them a warm relationship with God, you know. You know, in in Timothy, in Second Timothy chapter four, it is Paul talks about and I think we see a very depressed Paul in ways there. And he talks about, you know, that Demas who's in love with this present world has deserted me and how that was very traumatic for him. And a little bit later, he talks about, I think it's Alexander, the coppersmith. And he said, he's done much. He's caused me great harm and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. And I know there he's talking about how these people have hurt him, hurt him in his ministry. But he makes the point in verse 18 of chapter four, he says that my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Mm. 
And I think what, what a powerful thing he's, he was, you see that forgiving spirit amidst that um, and how, how, how very alone he was and how very hurt he was. And yet what did he do? He prayed that God would not hold that against them. And that's mm-hmm. where we have, to, we have to find that spirit. And when mm-hmm. we find that spirit, then we can move on. And, and, and I, you know, I like to think I've planted seed here and I may never see the fruits from it, mm. but God says his word will not return to him void. And, yeah. and that's what I have to just put my hope in that mm-hmm. and take a breath and move on and, and find someone else to love. And I think that's what we saw Paul do. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up, Dana, because it's a lot like Jesus on the cross that said, Father, yeah. forgive them. They know yeah. not what they do. Um, and it's a reminder that Satan can still, Satan can use that situation to grow a root of bitterness in our heart, right? Resentment and bitterness. And so the point that you've made is don't let that happen, that you are open and ready, you know, to receive them back and you're mostly heartbroken, not, you know, not bitter. So and not not only can, can bitterness get in there, but we can become discouraged to the point we don't want to go take it to mm-hmm. someone else. And that yes. is the best thing we want to do. See, and that's right. where money goes in. The best okay. you can do is the best you can do. <laughs> yes, and it and if, they don't, if they don't want the gospel, that's the best you can do. I mean, you've got nothing better to give them than the that's gospel. True, <laughs> yes, very, very true. So I thought it would be interesting. Uh, one more question here, ladies. Um, not everything is worth knowing. <laughs> so what areas of learning have you found to be an empty waste of time? Arla, you want to start us off on this one? Did you have some thoughts along these lines? Um, yeah, for me, fiction reading in a lot of cases is an empty waste of time. Not all, you know, but but, yes. I, I, but and it's it's not that it's wrong to do it. It just once I learn something that I've read in a story or I read about a story or something, it doesn't necessarily help me to be a better Christian or a better person. It's entertaining, but yeah. to really focus on it. And I I know people who just focus on reading fiction reading and just over and over and over, and that's all they do and. And I'm thinking, oh, I just, you know, <laughs> I don't think I can yeah. do that. I like a book here now and again, but uh, that one to me is, and that was like my first thought was. Yeah. Reading, so. <laughs> I, don't well, I, don't, I don't read fiction. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Ooh, I haven't offended you at least. <laughs> you guys, at, at our age, do you feel like you don't want to do a single thing that does not make some corner of your life better? Like any corner, making just, I've got to come out better for it. Now, now fiction, I remember when my kids were growing up, we, we went through this book. I think William Bennett wrote a book called The Book of Virtues. Mm-hmm. And so if there are stories for children that teach those virtues, perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I want to be, I want every moment 
to be one that makes me either better physically or relationally or intellectually or spiritually or I'll take anything, you yeah. know, because time is just so, so precious. It just feels like we don't have any time to waste. What are your thoughts, Dana? Well, you know, I used to be, I used to really be a political junkie. And mm-hmm. that I just find an utter waste of time anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as I've matured and just but anything with TV to speak of, although I watch an episode of Perry Mason almost every night because I don't have to think. And that's what <laughs> oh, Dana, if we ever swing by your house, you and Mark can have your Perry Mason time. And yeah, I'll be in another room, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I said to, to a young lady the other day and I said, you know, like a Perry Mason thing. And she just looked at me odd. And I said, tell me, you don't know who Perry Mason is. I've never heard of that. I was like, but but I think there, like you said, there are so many things that if they don't affect me and, you know, I, I just kind of wrote down that I have no interest in how radio waves work or memorizing the number of bones in our body or hieroglyphics, or I just don't, I don't have any interest in that. And I'm glad somebody does. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, that's an utter waste of my time. And I just don't have an interest in, in, I want things that, and, and the older I get, the more I think about spiritual things, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, you know, as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 13, it says, I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And it's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Mm. Like, you know, sometimes that's all it is. is we're just busy with stuff that doesn't. And, and then he goes on to say, I've seen everything that is done under sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. And so to your point, if it's not improving my life, if it's not something profitable that, mm-hmm. that I'm not and it is a waste of time at least it's for me yeah i always think of this um and I, i'll talk about certain books are just bubblegum books you know, <laughs> bubblegum rocking in a rocket chair you're not going anywhere you're not doing anything so nutritional value but some books are just a bubblegum book you just kind of rest your brain and you know yeah, that's very mason <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> The only other thought I think I wanted to I wanted to share on this question of not everything's worth knowing. What areas of learning have you found to be an empty waste of time? And and maybe this isn't so much empty as it is. Well, it, it kind of goes back to my disinterest in like celebrities or cultural fads, um, even just television watching. Now I know there's probably some fantastic documentaries out there you know, certain channels, probably I could still get back into that. I've I've watched a total of one program over the last three years. And it was that free solo climber guy. Maybe I mentioned that before, but the guy who climbs the face of El Capitan in Yosemite. So that's the totality of what I've watched. But here's, here's the thing, you guys, as television gets darker and darker and darker, I think about how God turns his face away from evil. And if we want to be godly, 
we need to also think about can you even go to this event or watch this program even if it's a good program what about the commercials all of that we are to be as innocent as babies when it comes to evil first corinthians 14 20 and i was reading in revelation 2 today and it's talking about it, the people uh the church in thyatira is talking about how they had their god's approval in that they did not know the deep things of satan so i want to be like god and have eyes that are too pure to behold evil um, God cannot look on iniquity, Habakkuk 113. And so we tend to get more and more used to the more we're exposed to darkness, we just kind of get numb to it. And there, I just want to put out a caution out there of really thinking about unplugging to your highest degree, because it's harder and harder to negotiate around what you're going to see that you shouldn't be seeing and hearing that you shouldn't be hearing you know god turns his face away from evil again and, and i really think that's something that we need to really practice more as we are because it's only the pure in heart that are going to see god what do we want more than anything else we want to see god what you, you, know, you make the point about getting used to stuff and I cannot remember who said it and you might remember, but there's, I think it was one of the prophets that said that God's people don't, they can't even blush anymore. They don't even, they, they, they feel no shame. They're, they don't even blush anymore. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is a sad situation. And I think that's to your point where so many of us have gotten because we let so much junk come into our TVs and and yeah. and our and our social media and our every our devices and we don't even blush. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, ladies, I think this probably wraps up most of our conversation tonight. Um, how? What do you say next week we talk about what specific resources that we have found to be accurate, efficient, and effective? to gather the learning that has most benefited us. So that'll be something I think that we'll save for next week. And then maybe let's also share some things that we're curious about that we're aiming to learn more about in the future. So I think that'll make for a very interesting and beneficial conversation uh, for our listeners. I think that sounds great. Dana, you'll be back with us? I will. I'll be with you next Wonderful. week. Wonderful. That would be great. Marvelous. We appreciate that. Well, okay. uh, so please uh, come back next Thursday evening at 8 o'clock Eastern for another of our programs about uh, the God-given joy of learning. And we'll continue our discussion next week. In the meantime, be sure to watch Answering Religious Error excuse me, on Tuesdays, and they're going live at noon, but they're available if you prefer to, you know, watch it after work or in the evening, uh, you, it'll still be available to you, but it'll be live uh, at noon on Tuesdays, Eastern time. And then uh, Bible questions and answers are still uh, as they have been on Wednesdays at noon. And then uh, Mark's uh, daily answer podcast is going on. Does he 
Did I see 5 a.m.? It, it comes on. I don't know 5 a.m. Eastern time, I believe. Yes, yeah. Monday okay. through Friday. It's available. <laughs> That'd be the, there's, there's words for all that that I don't know. <laughs> and Isla, I think the men, I don't know if, if you got word on this, but they were studying Ecclesiastes. And now they have transitioned to really presenting evidences of why they believe in God, why they believe the scriptures are cod breathed, you know, just a lot of apologetics, as it's called, uh, related to uh, building up your faith and embracing the realities that really help us build a foundation and have a clear worldview. Marvelous. Good stuff. Be sure yeah. to <clears throat> be sure to uh, go and, and watch them as well. Watch those programs. Wonderful. Well, uh, end of our program. And thank you again, Delina, for being with us. And Cindy, I'm glad you were able to get on <laughs> before my voice goes. Let me say good night. <laughs> good night.